All right. Thank you, everyone. Always love coming out, even if uh, it's just to come out and visit, which sometimes I do, just come out and sit in the seats and just enjoy being with everybody. Today I get to share a word with you, which is also a privilege as well. So, um, so thank you for that. Um, I kind of feel a bit relieved that the story didn't work because it's always really hard to go after Hillary's great story, isn't it? Like, it's a preacher's nightmare, like, to follow Hillary up to the pulpit. So I'm not saying it was all God's fault or anything like that, but, um, and I'm not saying it was mine. I wasn't actually sitting there praying and asking for it not to work, but I was a little bit relieved. So maybe when I'm finished, it'll just work perfectly, all right? So we can give it another try. Um, I saw Hillary heading the other way when I was on my way out here. So I thought, she's running away from church. And my last recollection of uh, Hillary's beautiful story was Jonah. So I kind of connected all that together and I thought, Hillary's running away like, like Jonah ran away. Maybe she listened to her own story and then came back. But she was, I imagine, heading to Adon to return. Is that right? It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, 140 k's. I didn't think that car would go that fast, Hillary. <laughs> All right. Hey, enough of that. It's just, <laughs> again, it's really good just to be here and just looking around and just appreciating the opportunity just to come and fellowship with you and to share a word with you. I know um, Annette's been speaking on the book of Acts, a uh, beautiful book in the Bible. It was once described... Um, uh, I really remember, anyway, this description of the book of Acts. It was said that the Gospels give us a picture of the example of Jesus, you know, and then what it is to be Jesus in our world, we learn from the Gospels, you know, how Jesus loved the community, how he loved the sinner, how he, you know, just lived his life um, in, his, in his adult or later years. Um, he lived, he showed us what it was like to live as someone filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting, isn't he, that, that even he on his day of his baptism uh, was then filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. We know that he was God, but we also know from Philippians chapter 2 that it says that, that Jesus put aside, in some ways it means this, he put, away, he put aside his right to be as God that actually he could have been, it wouldn't have been, it says it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been a thief if he, if he was, uh, you know, claimed to be God because that was rightfully a claim that he could make. He wasn't taking something that he wasn't entitled to, to be as God. But what he did was he put aside his deity or he put aside, put aside his right to be as God and he came and lived as a man, uh, which is just amazing when you think about it, didn't he? And he lived as a man and so then when he got to the time of his baptism, um, and even John struggled, didn't he, with baptising him, said, you know, I shouldn't be baptising you because he struggled with the whole thing. And it is an interesting thing as you think about it, Jesus being baptised in water and then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, the heavens opened and the Spirit came upon him like a dove and then he really, that was the point where he began his public ministry. And so um, before that, you know, he was always found. He said to his parents, remember the day when he disappeared, you know, and his parents were looking for him and... He said, well, you should have known. I'd just be about my father's business. And he was just there learning and growing in his understanding and, you know, uh, love of the, of the scriptures at that time, what were the scriptures at that time. And so, you know, there was a lot of years of preparation. And then this season came in his life when he was filled with and empowered with the Holy Spirit. 
And I think I did preach a sermon here some time back. Even if you don't remember, I remember. Okay, so But I did preach a bit about how uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, you know, how he was born of the Spirit and then how he was filled with the Spirit and then just some of the things that he attributed to the Holy Spirit in his life. Um, and so, you know, how much more... Well, I, was, I began to say to you, didn't I, that the Gospels are a picture of, uh, of Jesus, you know, living and relating to the world. And we are... We are, as the church, what are we? We're Jesus in our community, aren't we? We're Jesus in our world. So we look at the Gospels and we learn how to be Jesus in our world and in our community. And then what they described was the book of Acts is actually an example in a time and place of how to live as Jesus in the world as a spirit-filled believer, you know, that's been sent and commissioned. And so it's an example. It's not like we... Everything that, has to, that happened in the book of Acts happens in exactly the same way. But it's an example in a time and place and culture of how to live a spirit-filled life. And I just think as you look in there and apply it to our current setting, just how exciting that is. I've probably not worded it as well as what it was explained to me, but I still remember thinking that my approach to the book of Acts isn't that everything has to be exactly the same, but there are patterns there that are an example for us how to apply what it is to be Jesus, if you like, a a person filled with the Holy Spirit, um, doing the will of the Father within a time and place or within a culture. And so we need to learn how to adapt that to our own culture but in doing so, not to water down the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we used to sing a song, the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. Is that right? You, who knows that song? Just find out how, old, how long everyone's been around for. The Holy, yep, yeah, us guys, we know, don't we, eh? The Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. It says, you won't leave here like you, like you came, in Jesus' name. It was a song we used to sing. You won't leave here like you came, in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented. I should get Graham to sing it for us. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame, because the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Now, that doesn't mean you come miserable or whatever. Sometimes we do, don't we? come with the weak struggles, and that's why we do need to be together on a regular basis. That's why we do need to fellowship and sit under the word and break bread together, don't we? And just worship together. Like what's worship and praise? It's just declaring who God is, what God's done. I know I often say it and what he will do. We're reminding our hearts, aren't we, about who he is and what he will do. Um, and, and we need to do that, don't we, when we come together on a regular basis. So anyway, it's been great that um, uh, and it has been sharing uh, from the book of Acts. I remember one time I used I haven't been to Sri Lanka for a couple of years, but I really can't wait to get there again. I'm hoping maybe in June, July, we might be able to work it out, but we'll see what happens. But uh, sort of for about 20 years, I've been every year, and there's one time when I went and I was teaching in their Bible school there, and I was asked just to teach on the book of Acts. And um, look, this is a bit of a testimony as well as just letting you know just, I guess, how, how much I love the book of Acts. But I was asked to just basically share for, I think it was four weeks. It might have been on that occasion. I was there a long time and I know I missed home when I was there. So I try to go a bit less these days. But I was there for four weeks as teaching in the school, in the Bible school. And I was asked just to, to unpack the book of Acts, like just chapter by chapter. And I, I did a fair bit of preparation. And when I'm there, I get a bit of time to prepare as well. So, um, you know, you're sort of just keeping a bit ahead of the class. And it was really a great a great time. But you wouldn't believe it. I, I, when I got there, well, you would believe it. When I got there, I was asked to um, to go down to, the, I don't want to get into too much detail, but where the children's home is, is about an hour from a place called Batacolo. 
And so we went down to Batticolo to visit a pastor there in a church. And um, it actually, just, just as a by the by, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was uh, three churches that were bombed in, um, in Sri Lanka by terrorists. And this church was one of them. So Pastor Roshan was, it wasn't a CRC church, but one we had close association with, preached there a couple of times. And this church was actually one that was bombed. And a number of the people in the church, including some children, uh, you know, were, were killed in that bomb. And, uh, and so we were able to actually raise some money and send it over and help some of the families, if you remember back, back at that time. But anyway, I was in this church. The pastor there was Pastor Roshan. And I mentioned to him um, that, uh, that I'd... That I'd uh, I'd heard of this guy called Ajith Fernanda, who's a Sri Lankan teacher. And, uh, and so then I said to him, oh, um, I'm hoping to meet up with Ajith Fernando on, on one of my visits over. Look, you're wondering where this story's going. But anyway, look, the long and the short of it was he said to me, I've got a book that he wrote. And he brought me the book out and it was, an, an, it was the NIV application commentary on the book of Acts. So it was a whole commentary on the book of Acts that was written by a Sri Lankan uh, fellow who I'd been reading some of his books you know, you've ever heard of um, Purpose Driven Ministry by a guy like Rick Warren? Well, this guy wrote a book called Jesus Driven Ministry. And it was a beautiful book just about your ministry driven. I love Rick's book too. And yeah, he's, he's really impacted the world a lot with his writings. But this was a book called Jesus Driven Ministry. And I'd been reading that and a couple of others, a book on leadership, which was just an expository on the book of Timothy that Jeff Fernando had written. Anyway, he comes out of his library and he gives me this book, which is a, a commentary on the book of Acts written in a Sri Lankan context. You know, And I was about to start a month of teaching like in this school on the book of Acts. Now, that might not mean much to you, but I tell you, like that was a real relief to me because I love the book of Acts, but just to be able to have some insights and some illustrations and things that were relevant to the Sri Lankan culture was just such a, an amazing thing. And so over that period of a month, it really, um, again, increased my anticipation and my love of the book of Acts and how to take it and apply it to a time and a culture. So all of that to say, I hope you're really taking it in. If you're not being able to be here every week, you can get it on the podcast, you know, with the Coolum and CRC Church here. And I really strongly recommend that you, um, you know, take the time and have a listen to um, some of that teaching on the book of Acts. Um, I've got um, a theme that I think is quite similar. It's not from the book of Acts today, but it's a, it's a similar theme that I felt uh, was appropriate to share with you this afternoon. And so... Um, I've probably got more notes than I need. So if you're nice to me and I kind of see that you're with me and awake and maybe every now and again sort of respond, I'll be shorter, okay? Because what happens is, this is how a preacher feels. Like a preacher feels like when everyone's just there quiet, you feel like I better just say it again. I better just keep talking because, you know, they're not getting me. So do you find that, Annette, like when they're responsive, when they're responsive and when they're with you, like, you know, you just, you finish quicker. Do you find that or not? Do you find that happens? (laughs) Ah, ah, okay, right, cool, cool. All right, very good. Anyway, alrighty, so it's good. Hey, um, just one thing I want to do too, which I'll take out of my preaching time. But when I was here last time, we had, uh, it might have been last time or the time before, I'm not sure, but it was when um, Steve and Helen were here. And it was a lovely, lovely service. And they prayed with you, you and Steve afterwards and had a bit of a, uh, have a word for you and while, while they were praying for you I had a word as well like a word that came to me and I thought uh, at that time 
you know, they were just doing a great job and, and they sort of said later, oh, sorry, we didn't give you a chance. But because they sort of asked me, they said, oh, if, you, if, if God gives you something, then let us know. But the opportunity didn't come. But actually, after that, then I just thought, oh, maybe I'll just send it to Annette, you know, personally. But then I thought, I knew I was kind of, well, I knew I was preaching sometime this month. We changed the date, didn't we? I didn't realise that I was actually down for next week and it wasn't going to work for Easter, so we brought it forward a week. But I knew I was sharing soon. So I do just want to share that, and I thought, actually, it might be good just to share it publicly. But, you know, when I was sitting there, um, this is, I guess, a month ago or whatever it is now, and they were praying for you. The word paraclete just came to me, which is the, the, uh, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, and particularly where it's found is in a couple of my favourite chapters, um, you know, John 14, 15, 16, 17, where Jesus is encouraging the disciples. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. He's beginning to tell them that he's going to be departing and, he's, and, he's, but they're, and they're kind of questioning this. And then what, what he's saying to them is, I won't leave you comfortless. And if you read through those few chapters, you find a couple of distinct parts where he says, I won't leave you comfortless, but I will send a helper. In some translations, it says a comforter. Um, and that word helper, comforter, um, which is really the Holy Spirit, is the Greek word paraclete. And the para- word paraclete means the one who comes alongside or actually is called alongside to um, uh, uh, the, some of the words like comforter, helper or advocate. Now, an advocate is like if you go to a, uh, probably not so much, a, well, it can be a court hearing, but that kind of gives you a bit too much of a, a legal sort of approach to it. But it's someone who, like a lawyer would in a, in a court hearing, or someone would just come alongside you in, in putting a case for something to you, and that person would then be, be called to come alongside you to actually assist you and to speak for you and to advocate for you, to help you. And that's a, I, I just find it's a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does for us. And as I was sitting there and they were praying for you um, and at you and Steve together, but I just sort of thought for you the word paraclete. And I thought, I was pretty excited. And then when I went and sort of looked at it a bit and thought, okay, I'd like to expand on that a little bit, I just thought it's just him promising to you. It's not even like I thought, oh, was this, is this a challenge for you to, you know, to do something or whatever? But I just thought he was saying to you, you have the Holy Spirit and you have that paraclete, the helper and the Holy Spirit you know, right alongside you. And uh, there is a sense whereby it implies that we call him. It's one who's called to come alongside. I, um, I just actually uh, popped a couple of things here so I don't leave anything out, but it's the advocate, helper, comforter. But it's the, the word para is the word beside and the word cleat is to call. So to call alongside. So if I was you know, doing something and I didn't, you know, I thought, oh, I just, I need some help for this. And I said to Graham, Graham, would you just come and, and give me a hand with this? And so Graham agree, agreeably comes and gets alongside me and helps me and we do it together. Then, then he would be being that one who's called to come alongside. And so the Holy Spirit, he just wants to be alongside. The thing is, he's in us and he's with us, isn't he? He's in us and he's with us. Jesus even said that. He said, that I'm with you now, but the Holy Spirit will be with you and he shall be in you. And so I, I just want to encourage you that way, obviously to Annette and say, I believe he was just really, 
I don't know, I felt a bit emotional as I thought that. I thought, you know what, he's just right there with you and that he's right beside you, he's sharing the load with you. You know, you can actually trust him, you're safe with him, the dependence, you know, your dependence can be entirely upon him and he's just doing it with you, you know? Because it can get a bit daunting, isn't it? We say sometimes in, in an appropriate way, we're out of our depth every day and that's kind of the reality of it, isn't it? But, you know, he's there with us and he's there with you in it. I just felt like he wanted me to reassure you of that and I thought, well, actually it's not bad to say that in front of everyone rather than just send you a personal text and explain that. So he is, he is your advocate. He's really there speaking for you. He's working with you. I mean, fighting is only a part of it because it's not all about a fight, is it? Often it's just him, him there just revealing and showing and you know, steering and just, just to know he's there is just a beautiful thing uh, many times. And when we think about how when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, Matthew 28, and then he finished by saying, and lo, I am with you always. It just adds a bit more meaning to it, doesn't it? That you can live your life as a spirit-filled believer that is just experiencing his help and his comfort and his strength and his power in and through you every single day. And so that's, um, I think that's a, an encouraging word. Maybe an obvious one, but also a really encouraging one. And it's true of all of us, but I just felt like that was a, um, a word that sort of resonated strongly on that day, uh, the paraclete. Um, he's with us. I want to turn to 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. I've just got a few verses that I'll look at. Um, and probably the, the, if there's a common theme in these few verses I want to look at, it's just the power that he has given to us. Realising the power that he's given to us. One of the um, uh, passages, and I, I don't think we need to turn to it today, but you can just make either a mental note or a written note for it, but Ephesians 1, it's, it's so often referred to and preached about. Um, but Ephesians 1 is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, obviously. And in that very first part of his letter, he, he says, and I know we hear about it often and we, perhaps you've, you know, you've, you've, um, you're very familiar with it, but he just talks about, he says, one of the things I pray for you without ceasing is I pray a few things for you. But one of them was, well, well, these really prayed that they'd have a revelation of three things, that they'd really understand three things. Um, you know, one of them was that they'd understand what their inheritance is. But, but then the third thing that it got to was, he said, I pray that you would have a revelation of the power of God that is in you. That's, it's the same power that was in Christ when God raised him from the dead. Just think about that. Because you've got to kind of say amen to that, haven't you? You've got to say amen to that. And Lockie, you know, we were encouraging you on the way out. Just, you know, like as you hear things said, sometimes it, like you can hear a lot, can't you all become a scramble. But sometimes you hear a statement and you say in your heart, okay, I'm going to believe that's true. Lord, you've got to help me to see that that's true. And when you think about that, this is what Paul was saying. Paul was praying. He said, I pray this constantly for you, the church. I pray that you would have a revelation of the power of God. It's the latter part of Ephesians 1, all right? So I, I pray that, that, that you'd have a revelation of the power of God that is at work in you, being uh, equivalent or similar power to the power that was in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I may have told this story to you before, I'm not sure, but um, it, it's a fairly potent story and I think it helps to understand 
a little bit of uh, Paul's prayer there in Ephesians 1 and it'll lead us into reading this 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 because it's also one of these verses that is almost too good to be true, if you know what I mean. It's so rich that you think if that's true, then you know my life is different because of the, that reality. All right. So I was working in, um, in the council Sorry, I was working in the council, but years ago, first out of school, boarding school, I was working at a bank, right? It was the old government bank, rural bank of New South Wales um, in Leeton. It was a fairly big one, had about 22 on the staff there. And I was working in some government agency work. And one of the things I had to do, I did some teller's work and I did some loans work, but for a lot of the time I was doing this government agency work for the government bank. And one of the things I had to do was they sent out a government gazette every year, every week, maybe a couple of times a week, but every week there was a thick one. And it had any legislations, any legislation that had been passed through Parliament, and this was a state bank, so any legislation had been passed through Parliament by the state government any time through that week. And so there were things there that related to all sorts of government departments and government areas. So I used to have to find the things that related to the act that affected the work that we were doing, all right? So we were in an irrigation area and there were certain things that affected the the things that we were charging for farmers in the irrigation area and all that sort of thing without getting into too much detail. But there were things we had to do. So I had to look up the Government Gazette and I had to go to the pages that referred to anything that might affect the work that we were doing. And if there was any changes there, I had to photocopy that and make sure that the right people were given those changes to legislation. Now, who thinks that would be a pretty boring job? You're right. Jan's put a hand up. It is. It was very boring to go through black and white print. Now, now... You'd probably just do a search on your, you know, Google and say, is there anything about this act? And it would come up straight away and you could get on with it. But I had this magazine that I had to, I kind of learnt where to look, you know. You had to flick through and ignore all the bits. But there was one bit in there that I learnt about that was, you know, in there somewhere. And it was basically unclaimed monies, right? So anyone who'd had unclaimed monies, whether it's an estate you know, that hadn't been claimed, whether it was a bank account that had sat there dormant for a certain amount of time, whether it was a lottery win, so maybe it was a half a million dollar lottery win and the person had lost their ticket or just hadn't bothered to check their ticket, so there's half a million bucks sitting there waiting for someone to claim that money. So an inheritance uh, or, um, or a bank account or, you know, whatever, they're, they're all the things, entitlements, maybe an insurance claim or something, it was all these sorts of things. So I'd always just go through on my way to find the things that related to the work I was doing, I'd go to this page and I'd go, Murphy, Murphy. That's my, that's my, that's my surname, all right? So Murphy. Oh, there's a Murphy. No, no relation. Murphy, 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 Murphy. And my grandmother used to buy lottery tickets every week with all our birthday numbers on them, you know, in the lotto. She said, oh, you're a Christian. You probably wouldn't take the lottery wins. And I said, that would be rude, wouldn't it, to do that? So I told her I, I would accept it gladly if she won. But um, anyway, she thought I wouldn't take it, but I said I would do that. It would be sanctified, wouldn't it, once I got my hands on it? Is that right? I'd, I don't buy lottery tickets, but... Give, oh, well, give a bit to missions, yeah. All right, then. Okay, I'd probably give it all to missions, seeing as, seeing as it's all theory now anyway. It's, it's, um, I, can be, I can sound very spiritual, all right. But anyway, so I'd look through and I'd look and see if there's any, anyone that I might have some sort of link to and then, you know, because Graham's my friend, I'd look, Burns, Burns. No, I wouldn't do that. But anyway, I'd do, do it for anyone I thought I knew. But it was quite interesting. But you know the thing, it used to kind of really intrigue me. Often it's a couple of bucks, you know, whatever. But occasionally there were large amounts of money. And I would think to myself, this person doesn't even know what they are entitled to. 
It's already theirs. All they've really got to do is basically affirm their identity. If they affirm their identity, then they could lay claim to it. It's already theirs. They just don't know they've got it. Now, you already know how I'm sort of applying this, don't you? That there are many things that are in God's word. There are many things that I think are available to us. And that's why Paul had to pray for the church at Ephesus. He said, I pray continually that you'll just have, you'll come into an understanding, that you'll come into a realisation of what is yours that, that I want you to realise, you know, it's like you can hear the heart cry there. I just really want you to come into a realisation so that you can bring into reality in your experience the things that are true about you. What God has done for you, what God has said about you, you know, what God wants for you, what God will do in you, what you already have inside of you, the power of God that's already inside of you. And when you begin to trust that and when you begin to say amen to that, even though it seems too good to be true. We all know the saying, don't we? You know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. But this is one exception, is the fact that God, by his grace, has opened up so many things for us. He's given so many things to us. He's put so many things within us that we kind of think, oh, yeah, but, don't we? But if we can just take a hold of it and know that it's true, then... You know, the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. The things that we read that happened in the, in the book of Acts can be our reality and our experience too. In our time and culture, you know, however that reflects in our time and culture, the supernatural power of God at work in touching lives and bringing people to himself and transforming people and healing people and setting people free from demonic oppression in their life. Is, is something that can be a reality in our experience. Now, I know it is. I know it is in many ways. But the more we realise, the more we can actually walk fully in that experience. And sometimes what happens is we can be so familiar with it, can't we, that we don't then take a hold of everything that is ours. And so, you know, I, I do, I read that thing in the Government Gazette and I think, well, um, how many people have this inheritance if you like or have this thing that they're entitled to but they're but they're just not experiencing it in reality because they they're not aware of what is theirs and so Paul was praying for that in Ephesians 1 and then in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 it just says this and I've headed this up I says we have power for every good work let me explain that. Good work is the work God has given me or purposed for me. So we say good works sometimes is oh, if I go and help a person across the street, that's the old thing, isn't it? Or if we say, you know, I just go and do a charitable deed, then that's a good work. And it is, that's a good work. But in the end, what we're looking to do is more than that, I mean, that's important. I believe it is important. But I think what beyond that, beyond doing good works in that sense, is to do God's work, isn't it? So good work is God's work. So if we've been equipped for every good work, what that's saying is that we've been, given, we've been given what is necessary to be able to do God's work, the work that God has given to you and to me. So here it is, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. It just says, And God is able to make all grace... I've circled the word grace because I'll talk about that in a moment. God is able to make all grace abound... So there's another big word, abound... Not a big as in big, but you know, a meaningful word, towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Again, 
Man, that's a rich verse, isn't it? And we can be so familiar with it. We can skim over it and say, isn't that good? But honestly, if we just stop there, if I kind of saw a lot of enthusiasm and I thought, you know what, I think they've got that verse and I actually finished after this verse and we had coffee and fellowship together, that would be a lot to go home and think about, wouldn't it? Because that verse... I mean, people say, and it's all sort of very gimmicky, oh, how many alls are in this and all that? But really, let's look at this verse and see. You can look at a few different translations. Maybe when you go home, look at a couple of different translations. See, what is it really saying? Take some time to think about it. I used to say when, when I first got saved a long time ago, we used to have a lot of memory verses, and I'd write them up and stick them on the mirror, and I'd always say to people, this would be a good verse to have on the mirror, you know, in the, in the bathroom, because every morning when you wake up, for whatever period of time you want to leave it there for it, you'd see it every morning. Honestly, look, if you could be bothered, then I'd say, write this one down if you want to. Like, you don't have to. You find your own verse if you don't like the ones I tell you. But get a verse and you put it up there and really take a hold of what it's really saying. Because if you could grab a hold of this, if you could grab a hold of this, let each of us, sorry, it says, and God, I've got the other verses before it coloured in, but I've really, in an act of discipline, I've gone straight to verse 8, all right, so I don't go too much on about all the verses beforehand. And God, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, everything that God has called you to do. Now, again, there's a bit of exploration in that, in that it's good for us to explore a little bit, isn't it? Well, what God, what do you got for me to do? But when you ask him that question, when you ask God, God, what have you got for me to do? God, what is my life about? Lord, what is it that you want me to be about right now as a faithful and wise servant? When you ask that question in the context that he's already promised to give you abundantly everything that you will need to do what it is that he answers you for, then you ask the question in a different way. Is that right? So if I know that he's already promising to to be with me and to walk with me, to be that paraclete to me that we spoke about before, but also to give me all the everything that I need to be able to do that good work, to do that work he's given me, then when I say, what is it that you've got me to do? I'm not listening with an ear that is limiting to what I think I'm able to do in my own strength. But what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I know that whatever you ask me to do, you'll give me the strength to do. And I've found myself, I think this is a holy kind of negotiation with God. You tell me if I'm wrong afterwards and I'll be corrected, okay? But I think this is a quite appropriate and a holy negotiation with God. God, if you've called me to that, and I think you have, then you've got to give me, it's your problem, you've got to give me everything that I need to be able to do this. Now, I'm not just talking about resources, but it does include resources, doesn't it? Lord, if you're really calling me to this, and maybe sometimes it's not like yes straight away, maybe it's, well, I'll move forward on the assumption that this is what you're calling me to do, and I'll I'll just be open for you to tell me if I've not got it right, you know, because it's not always clear-cut, is it? Who knows that it's not like just audible voice from heaven, yeah, that's what you've got to do, and off you go, and it's a kind of a relational journey, isn't it? Do you know what I mean by that? That I've got to keep listening, haven't I? It's not like he's told me once and for all and now I'm just going to do it. I'm listening. He's prompting me. Turn left, 
turn right, okay, you know, you're right, now is the time, because timing is, is, is a lot, isn't it, in terms of our do, serving God and doing what he's given us to do. So I'm moving forward in relationship with him, listening to him, but knowing that whatever he gives me to do, wherever he leads me, that he has promised that he would give me the ability and the capacity to do it, that he'd give me everything that I need. I don't know about you, but I just think that's so reassuring, that it's so helpful to being obedient and there's no joy like living a life of obedience. So, you know, when we, when we know that he's going to give us what we need. Let me talk a bit about, I said I'd circled that word grace. Because in your study of the book of Acts, um, and then also as Paul goes on uh, beyond the book of Acts, when Paul writes his letters to the churches, as he's done in Ephesus there, he said, I pray that you'll have a revelation of the power of God that's in you. That a lot of that flows out of what we've been taught in the book of Acts. But then in Corinthians, what he does is he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? And another word for gifts in the true, in the true um, uh, meaning of that word is the gifts are the graces of God. So that's another way of saying it. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit are actually the graces of the Holy Spirit, which means it's something that he's given to you because of his grace. You get what I mean? So he's given you that power. It's a gift that he's given to you, not because you've deserved it, but he's given it to you by his grace. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are often referred to as the graces of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does in us by his grace. All right, so that, that we're not saying, well, Lord, you've got, to, you've got to give me the gifts of the Spirit. You know what people, often I hear them say, um, well, you know, if I pray hard enough or if I sacrifice enough or if I think pure thoughts for long enough, then what will happen is then I can believe that God will use me to bring healing. God will use me to bring a word of knowledge. God will use me to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that sometimes if we deliberately uh, continue in habits of sin or oppose God, then we're the ones who are, who are bringing a blockage. But we don't have to do enough good things for God to then say, well, now I will gift you with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, know what I'm saying? I don't want to get bogged down in that. But sometimes we kind of think like, if I'm good enough, then I will be able to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to every Spirit-filled believer because of the grace of God. They are the graces of the Spirit. They're not, they're a gift. They're not, not because we deserve them. It's not because we've actually, you know, done enough good things or right things that now we can expect that the power of God is going to flow through us so that we can, you know, be a vessel of healing and we can have words of knowledge and do all those things. They don't rely upon our goodness. They rely upon his goodness. Is that right? Now, again, I will say that if I'm continuing to rebel and I'm continuing just to hold on to sinful habits in my life and I don't care then really it's, not this, it's, it's my attitude to not really wanting to, uh, to give priority to, to what he wants in my life that's actually hindering the power of God from flowing. Does that make sense or not? So just it's, it's basically if I start waiting till I'm good enough to then be able to be used to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life, then we will actually... You know, we'll never be good enough because they are the graces. They're God's grace for us. So we have power for every good work. In, um, uh, you know, there's some other scriptures I just have. We have the power to serve um, in 1 Peter 4, 10, 11. If you want to write that down, I'm not going to look these up. I'm just going to give you the headings and then I'm going to finish. So we have power to serve, which is really to love and to serve and to minister 
Because see, ministry means service. And it says, whatever ministry you do, do it with the ability God gives. So 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 is worth a read uh, because um, it talks about how we have been given power to serve, power to minister, power to minister to one another. And, and that includes being able to love one another. Um, in, uh, we have power to speak. In that same passage, it talks about if you're going to speak, speak with the mouthpiece of God or the oracles of God. So we have power to speak. Who, who knows at times we're searching for words to say? And you know, you know what he said? He said, he said don't, don't sit there all day and try and memorise what you're going to say. That doesn't mean you don't prepare sometimes or you're, you know, uh, the verse that uh, Annette quoted from Peter, I love that verse. It says, you know, be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies in you. It's a beautiful verse. I've often encouraged myself that I do need to be ready, but it's not ready as in memorising everything. It's not ready as in know everything, but it's ready as in, you know, my heart and maybe some thoughts and some thinking about my own story and how I could put that succinctly, you know, if I'm going to share my testimony with someone, how I can do that. I think there's some deliberate planning and things needed. But really what it's saying is don't be anxious about what you're going to say because if, if you've got that in your heart, you've got the word in your heart, you've thought a bit about your story, you've thought about ways that you could simply you know, share the gospel, then you'll know what to say, the right thing at the right time. The psalmist says in many places, um, it's also in the Proverbs as well, but it just talks about probably more in the Proverbs and Psalms, but it says, you know, a, a timely word or a word in season is like honeycomb or it's like something beautiful, isn't it? Because a word in season is right. But here, you know, we know the Holy Spirit will help us know what to say at the right time. And there are so many times when I've just experienced that and I know that that's been something special. We have power to overcome and I've written to overcome the enemy as well as to uh, overcome suffering and difficult situations. You know today as a church family and as a community there's an element isn't there of wanting to overcome the grief of losing someone who's been close to, to us, someone we've known. Uh, people in our community are looking for ways to be able to to overcome the grief of sudden passing of someone that's dear and well-known in the community. You know, that's a part of life in a way, isn't it? And I'm not saying that to play it down, but I'm saying that, that what, what he's given us, he's given us the ability to be able to, to process that in a healthy way, cry the tears we need to, to experience the emotions that we need to, but not to be overcome, but to actually overcome the grief. Is that right? You know what I'm talking about there? So he gives us what we need to overcome. A good reference is Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. We have power to fulfill the Great Commission. And a familiar verse to you guys of late, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that you've been learning. That we've we've been given power. You will receive power. So it's actually talking about a future thing. In Acts 2 is when they were in the upper room and filled with the Holy Ghost. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, there was this preparation. It says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And you could say, Kuhlman, the Riverina, couldn't you? Hey, don't you love that we're a part of a, a group of churches together? I love it. I love it that Graham came out with me to Hay last week. Long trip, wasn't it, mate? 
but it was just good. And there wasn't a lot of people there. But, you know, I just, I, I'd be there for one. I don't care. I was happy just to be there. And Graham too. I was just really encouraged because I feel like I've taken Graham all this way out, you know, and there's just a couple of people there. But it never bothered Graham one bit unless he went home and complained to his wife. But he didn't to me. He, was, he said to me, he said, oh, I loved it. We loved it, you know. So, um, uh, so it was good. Hey, Graham and Benita and Angel, I should say, it was a whole team effort, wasn't it? And it was great. And I just, I love taking them and I love that we can do that for the one. And it's what it does in us, you know, as much as what it does for them because we just know we're just doing it for the, for the few. And, and, you know, it just, just, you never know. But, you know, isn't it great that they can go out there and then the guys can come here, you know, uh, now and, you know, Annette comes and preaches for us. And it's just all a, it's all a, it's all a mixed match, isn't it? But it's really good because we're part of something. So there's Coolerman. You've got to love your own town. Gan Maine. You've got to love your own town. You've got to love the place where God puts you, haven't you? But then you love your region and you look around outside of yourself. And then you've got to start think, thinking bigger than just where I live. We've got to think for our nation. And then you think, well, you can't, you can't help every country in the world. There's so much need. But you know what? You can let your heart be touched by a couple of things that are going into all the world. So, you know, Judea, Samaria uh, and the uttermost parts of the world. Um, so it says we'll be witnesses. You know, the power is the word. I'm sure you've, you've talked about it as you've looked at the book of Acts, the word dunamis, you know, that, that power, which is what we're talking about today even. He's given us all grace um, and everything that we need uh, in abundance for every good work. His power is in us and working through us. And then um, when it talks about, uh, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses. That word witnesses is a, is a really interesting word because the word witnesses, it is as it sounds, that, you know, I'm a witness. I say what I've seen and what I've heard. I uh, love it in Acts 4, about verse 20, where, uh, you know, in beginning of chapter 3, they prayed for the lame man who'd been lame all his life and sitting at the gate. The whole town knew him. In Narandra, some years back, we had a fellow there who um, just everyone knew. He was in the park. Um, he was a guy who was just quite a gentleman but he was a, an alcoholic and he's sort of often found in the park there and the whole town knew him and uh, and he used to pop into church occasionally and I just thought well when God touches his life and transforms his life then you know the whole town is going to know it's going to be like that guy at the gate beautiful well he ended up sort of in the nursing home and a bit quiet there and um, and and we I never kind of saw the dramatic thing that I expected to see but who knows hey who knows but I used to sort of think about this story and think someone in Narandra, you know, who everybody knows, gets that miracle of healing, gets that touch and it releases something. But anyway, they, uh, Peter and John going to pray as they normally do, walk past this guy, silver and gold of Ainan, you know, uh, he got up and walked. And then what happens is they got themselves in big trouble, didn't they? And so they were called before the authorities and they said, you know, we don't want you to preach anymore in the name of Jesus because what they were saying was Jesus was the one who healed him. And you get to Acts 4 and verse 20 and they said, we don't know whether it's right to listen to you. So they're there being threatened and saying, you know, don't talk anymore about Jesus because we don't like you giving him the credit for this. And so, um, you know, but they said, they said, look, we don't know. We respect you as the authorities. Uh, we don't know what to do. 
Uh, they say, we don't know whether it's right in the size of God to listen unto you or not. But then verse 20 says, but we cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard. Isn't that beautiful? We cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard. We're not sure whether we should listen to you and your threats. We're not really sure what we should do. But I can tell you this, we can't help but speak the things we've seen and heard. Isn't that another perspective on evangelism? Isn't that another perspective on sharing our faith? Well, you're a Christian, Hillary. You should be telling everyone about Jesus. Oh, okay, I better go and do it. Versus, I cannot help but speak the things that I have seen and heard. And so um, we've been given everything to fulfill the Great Commission, the power of God upon us and witnesses. The other thing that word witness means, just quickly as I finish, is um, so you're a witness, you say what you've seen and heard, but the other side is it's a word martis. In Greek, it's the word martis, that word witnesses is the word martis, and it means actually to be able to put to death yourself to be able to be a true witness. So there's something, isn't there? There's sometimes when we want to speak to someone, our inhibitions and our self get in the way. Am I the only one? You can be worried about what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Are they going to receive what I have to say? What if I get rejected? What if they don't understand me? So there's this thing of self in, in being able to be a true witness. And you know what I believe? One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to actually help us put to death the self so that we can speak you know, out of love and compassion for those who we speak to, that we're actually able to speak and be a witness and a testimony for Jesus. You look up that word, it's a big, it's a big, there's a lot in what I just said in that last few minutes. But he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power and you will be witnesses for me. You'll be able to overcome self to be able to be a witness for me. And that you, then we read on in, in Acts 4.20 that we cannot help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Hey, look, I've thrown a fair bit at you today, but hopefully some of that will be helpful. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Father, thank you. We thank you for what you've called us to. We feel privileged that you've called us to be ambassadors for you and to represent you in this community, in this region, in this nation and into certain places where you take us, Lord, beyond this nation. Father, I know that every person here from the youngest to the oldest, you know them before they were born. You have a call for their life. You've promised to be with them. You've promised to empower us for your purpose and your plan. I pray for every single one of us, wherever we're at right now, that something will just resonate, that something will be, will be there'll be clarity in, in this understanding of your call and your purpose and your plan for us and that you've given us everything that we may abound in every good work, in everything that you've called us to. I pray that as we sift through and think about and meditate upon these things, that, Lord, each of us will draw some treasure, some helpful thing that will enable us to grow and flourish in our spiritual journey right now. As we come into this Easter time, Lord, our hearts just burden for our communities, our hearts burden for people in our families, people in our neighbourhood, in our workplaces, in our schools who don't know you. 
Because Lord, we don't want them to be unaware of what you have done, what's available for each one of us by your grace to receive you and to receive your love and to receive your forgiveness, to have you powerfully come and live inside of us, powerfully walk with us, bringing about your purpose in our life. Just before I finish the prayer, I don't know every single person here and I just wonder whether today is an opportunity for someone who doesn't know God. Maybe you've known about God and you've believed in God. Maybe you've even in some ways followed God or made the choice to be interested in God in some way, whatever you feel. But I just wonder if there's any today, just while we're, while we're praying and before we finish, if there's any today and you've never really clearly said, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me that first Easter. You went to the cross and you died for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have relationship with God, so that I could receive you into my life and so I could walk with you and experience your power your purpose in my life every day. Is there anyone today you've never really done that and you'd just like to put your hand up and let me know? I won't call you out the front or embarrass you in any way. I'll just give you a chance to have a chat afterwards if you'd like, but otherwise just put your hand up and let me and let God know that that's your heart today. Easter 2022, Easter 2022, a life-changing moment for you. Is there anyone today and you've not really affirmed that? Okay. Father, thank you for every person today. For our love for you and your love for us. Just for your touch upon us today. For anyone who needs a touch of healing, Father, I pray that you would just release your power to heal for any who need just wisdom in decisions that need to be made in our life, for any who just need peace in the midst of the turmoil, for any who need some form of provision. Need relationships to be restored, just need your touch, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just be real today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I, um, Lachlan comes with me often and I know he trusts me enough that I would never embarrass him, but I do want to just ask if everyone would just pray for him today. Could we just do that? He's had a bit of a tough week and he does have a little bit of a tough week. You know, do you want to just put your hand on Lockie and anyone else who wants to? Is that all right, Lockie? He's my mate and he trusts me. So but i just really like to see a real breakthrough. I love, you know, like Paul prayed, I'd just really love for... God to just show him some things. We were talking on the way out. It's like an inside-out thing, isn't it? Like not trying to change yourself, but an inside-out thing. God just shows you things in your heart and then you get the strength from within. Father, you know Lachlan's situation and you know his story. I thank you that he's come out and he's sat under your word and he just loves being around the people of God. And I pray that you'd just take him a step further today, that you'd just show yourself, Lord, in a powerful and supernatural way to him. And that he'd just have, Lord, uh, something would just open up. Something would just fill him, Lord, today. That would give him the strength to take the next step. Lord, in things that he needs to work out, the decisions that need to happen, family, business, other things, Lord. 
Father, the anxiety that sometimes just so torments him, I just pray, Lord, you'd heal and restore right from the very root and that God today would be just another step but a significant step in his journey with you. Thank you for this Kuhlman family, Lord, who when he's come out here, he's just felt so loved and accepted and appreciated. And so, Father, I thank you that in this context, Lord, we can just join together and pray for him today and see a breakthrough. Thank you that you love him so much. Let him see that too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.